Welcome back, everyone, to Cloud Unfiltered. This is Ali Amagasu coming to you from KubeCon 2019. Continuing our series, we've spoken to a number of interesting individuals this week, and uh, it continues now with someone who I'm going to openly admit I know very little about her company. I know very little about what they do, but I was intrigued enough to have her on the show. So uh, today, let's welcome Edith Levine. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. She's the, she's the founder and CEO of Solo.io. So let's start off by establishing what is Solo.io. Yeah, so I will start where, we starting, where I started it. So I started it two years ago. And the idea is that, like, so before that I worked in a startup company that got acquired. I worked in Dynamico, but got acquired by VMware. Then we mo- I moved to another startup company, got acquired by Verizon. Then even when I worked in EMC in the city office, I was doing a lot of the advanced development. And what I realized is that there is a huge gap between where we actually, you know, innovating in this market, in this ecosystem today in KubeCon, to actually where the customers are. And it was very important to me to actually build something that actually consumable, right? Actually, someone can use it right now and help them to kind of like take them to the journey of actually getting innovative. So, so that's kind of like what's the, in the natural what Solar is doing is helping companies to transform. Um, we're starting our, you know, what we see in the market is that most of the companies starting by trying to migrate from monolithic to microservices. And everybody thinks that this is like the hard part, but actually rewriting the application to microservices, sometimes it's, it's not doable, but when it is, it's actually not the hard part. The hard part for real is actually how do you operate it after it. And Kubernetes is doing a great job on actually doing it, but small stuff that you should have, you shouldn't take care of it at all when it was a monolithic application and now you really care is a lot of the fact that right now everything is distributed, which means that simple stuff between, you know, how to microservices communicate to each other, it's something that suddenly you need to take care of. Um, how do you make sure that they are communicate safely? And how do you make sure that you can see what's going on when a request coming to your cluster? So that's kind of like in the nutshells um, the problem that people have, and it's a big one. Uh, so when we looked at this, we said, right, service mesh is going to solve that. But service mesh is a very inventive solution. And I felt that, as I said, to just come to those customers and say, hey, service mesh will solve you, it, it's really not, they will never be able to adopt that. So what we thought about is what can we build right now that actually people can consume and it will be kind of like a stepping stone to the service mesh. And what we came with is that service mesh is basically taking all your traffic for what's called east-to-west, so that communication between the microservices. But first, the first thing that you need to start with is actually making sure that the traffic to your cluster is safe. So we built a, a product called Glue, G-L-O-O, and what Glue is doing is, first, is an API gateway. It's built on, built on the Envoy uh, technology proxy, which is interesting because we bet on Envoy because we knew we want to go to Service Mesh, and Envoy by now become kind of like de facto proxy or the data plane on Service Mesh, so that's why it was important to us. And, and it's just basically the next generation API gateway in the point of like, oh, in a regular legacy API gateway, you need an active, active Cassandra cluster. You should worry about it with us because we're actually storing our, the, our state in the cluster itself, in the CRDs, right, in the Kubernetes. Um, you need uh, to, to discover, right, to actually, you, the user need to register the services there, but it makes a lot of sense when there was like a pet, right, like one, one application. But now when you have basically a lot of them, 
it doesn't make any sense to put it on the user. It's not going to, f to, well, to handle well. So, so basically, there was a lot of interesting uh, decision that we made for Glue, why it's really important to make it, it's just really, really the best API gateway that exists out there. And besides that, like its name, what is very special about it, that it's not only doing Kubernetes. It's gluing those environments. So we actually know how to handle and discover also a monolithic or static application, as well as serverless. So we kind of like extended the proxy. We are a, a big computer, we are contributing a lot of code to Envoy. So it was really important to us to kind of like make sure that we will differentiate ourselves in the proxy level as well. So that's kind of like where we started. But as I said, we always, always with our expe expectation, plan to jump or to, 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 to that would be a stepping stone to the service mesh. So, okay, so we have customers that are running, or all, all, all of customers right now is running Glue because they're very excited about it and that's a very good or the best API gateway that exists. But they all want to move to, to a serverless, so service mesh. So the question is how do we help them? So in the beginning I thought, what if we will build service mesh? But that's what everybody said. So that doesn't make any sense because what, do I really want to compete right now with Google, STO, IBM, Red Hat, you know, AWS, all these big company. No, that doesn't make any sense. I can't win. So what I did is I said, instead of it, let's them solve this problem, which is pretty trivial. You just need to build it. There is no like advanced development here. There is no like, you just need to build it and make sure that it's robust. And what I will try to solve is the problem that will come after it. So what is the problem that will come after right. it, right? Okay. So. The thing is that you will need more than one. You can't, like, if you're looking at this, like, if you have a cluster, you're putting one service mesh on it. In the nutshell, no one has one cluster. Right. That means that you will have more than one service mesh. Now, it could be that you will have, you know, instance of the same one, but you will have more than one. And it could be that if you want to go right now to AWS, you will need to, to actually, you should take what they're offering you. And they're offering you app mesh. So it's different, it's closer, so you will not be able to manage to, to run the same thing on-prem. So the question is, how do you gap it? How do you make sure that everybody's talking? And also this community since then, there's so many service mesh. How do you know that you choose the, the right one? And how do we, we orchestrate that? And that's basically what we did. So we created a pro, you know, a year ago I announced a project called Superglue Open Source, which is basically doing two things to solve this problem. Number one, it's basically coming with an opinionated API for service mesh. And that means that all the service mesh speaking the same language. That will give you a lot of advantage. That means that even if you choose the wrong one, you can just move to the other one. It's basically not locking you to any specific Yeah, it's still going to behave the same way. Exactly, exactly. The second thing, if you're managing more than one, like for instance, you're managing one on-prem and one off-prem, and there are different type of meshes, you're still going to talk the same language. So that's the first thing that we did. Um, the second thing that, we, that I said is I said, and that, only that piece already resonates very well. It resonates so well that six months after it, Microsoft reached out to us and said, we love that. So what we really, really want is to basically help you spin it up. Let's call it service mesh interface. And, we, and they announced it on the last KubeCon. So we, and what's great about Microsoft is that they're a big company and they could actually make the ecosystem agree. So they said, this is what we believe in it together with Solo and guys, come join us. And they basically brought all of us together. So there is SMI, Service Mesh Interface. Uh, so that was the first ID. The second one that I came with, as I said, as I said if I have two different micro uh, meshes, it's great that they're all talking the same language, but what I really want, what ideal for me will be if I will 
group them together and treat them as one. I don't care that they're in different places. I just want to treat them as one. So for instance, if I have a production cluster and I have one on-prem and one in AWS, yes, they're going to run a different mesh, but what we can do is actually group them as one big, like, big mesh and basically flatten the networking because they're all talking Envoy, so I can actually make them, treat them as one big mesh. And then a microservice that's running in that mesh can talk, communicate to the one that's running in the other mesh seamlessly like if they're in the same cluster. So that's the second thing that we did. Um, and you know, by now we actually monetize that. So we have a, we, we, we changed the name from Superloo to Service Mesh Hub. And basically that's giving you the ability. We installing it for you if you want, any mesh. We discover the meshes that already installed. We're discovering your cluster. We discover the services inside your cluster, inside your mesh, that managing by your mesh. We will allow you to group them together. We making sure that they are validated, you know, that you're not giving a very bad configuration and so on. So we're giving kind of like a real experience for enterprise to manage any service mesh. And the beauty of it is that more than this, we also allow you to extend it. And why is that? Because to me, service mesh is like an Android or an iPhone. In the point of that, it's, it's a platform, but you know, who said that you can only talk on those phones, right? You can do way more. And how can you do this? You would download apps, right? So to me, Service Mesh, everybody's talking about routing, uh, routing observability and security. And to me, there is way more we can do because we just abstract the network. So as part of Service Mesh Hub, you can actually extend the mesh with extension. And the extension could be giving the mesh something like canary deployment or some debuggability ability or you know a lot of visibility dashboard or whatever you basically want in order to make your mesh even better. And so that's kind of like the second thing. So the first thing, we're helping you with Glue. Glue is the API gateway, is the best that exists today. That's already a stepping stone to the service mesh. Then we're helping you adopt the service mesh. We don't care which, we do any service mesh, any cloud. We're actually supporting it, we're grooming together, we're letting you manage it. But then also we're helping you extend it. So yesterday I actually announced a new project called Autopilot. And the mission around it was, okay, so I'm running right now my mesh. That's a huge, awesome mesh, and I can do so much with it. But here's the thing, with great power come great responsibility. If I will make something bad configuration to the mesh, it just took off all my network in the infrastructure. That's really, really scary. So what did we do with this? So basically, basically what we need to make sure that the mesh is resilient, right? Okay, so what do we do as a community right now in order to make it resilient? The first thing that we're making it, we make it very easy. So that's the SMI, Service Mesh Interface. Let's make it that simple API. That's already easier, so less, less user prone, right? The second thing that we did, we built Service Mesh Hub. Why? Because that's doing a lot of the guardrail in making sure that the validation is right, right? It's not letting you just push it, it's just basically crush, checking to see that that's the right and you actually intend to do this. And the last, the third thing that people are doing right now is what's called the, dev, the GitOps pattern, which is treat your configuration the way you're treating your code. It's like, I'm not going to take a code of my application and push it to master, right? Basically what I will do first is I'm first going to push it to, as a PR to my branch and then someone will approve it and then it will go there. So same thing is with the configuration. It's very dangerous that we'll push the configuration to the cloud, to the mesh specifically without another people, person to, to review it. 
So we integrate it seamlessly to the, to, the, to the service mesh hub. Okay, so that's really, really useful. But here's the thing. The thing that's actually common between the three of them is that it's user-driven. That's already bad. We don't want <laughs> user to drive it, right? That's dangerous. Now, the question is... Why is that dangerous? Because user, you know, it's error-prone, right? We are people. We're making mistakes, right? So it's way better to me that it's not going to be driven by us. Now, why are we driving something? What, what is behind this? We're driving it because there's changes, right? There are changes to the environment. We're pushing application. I'm looking at the metric. We see the metric looking not bad. We want to roll back. We, we know that there is some security problem. We want to fix that. That's what we're doing. There is a new service. We want to create a route to it. All of this, it's actually by driven something that it's, it's driven on from the environment. So what we really need to create is basically an adaptive mesh, mm. a mesh that can actually censor those stuff, right? And based on those stuff, it will be able to change the configuration. So that's already an interesting idea. The question is how do you achieve one? So what we announced yesterday, so in, if you're looking at the Kubernetes ecosystem, they actually, what they're doing on this, they're basically building operators. That's something that is very famous right now. You're creating an operator that will be able to drive your Kubernetes. But there's no specific framework to actually build operator for service mesh. And what we did is we basically took the operator framework from the SIG and we basically make it an opinionated that way that we can snip or, or watch the environment that, again, the service mesh most likely care about. So like metric is something that, you know, and not only metrics, the metrics specifically that service mesh care about. And, and, and web books and CRDs and so on, and we're watching that. And then we're giving the user the ability to basically give us the rules. So you need to write very little code of telling us, here's what I want to do. Here's the stake machine. When someone doing this, I want to do this, then move this, then if this has happened, do this, if this has happened, do that. And that's the only thing that the logic that he gave me to me. And what is eventually is the output, right? The output is basically I want to configure the mesh. So we basically make it, again, that simple and integrate already to the Git ops. So if you think about it, this is like, you know, to me, we're calling it autopilot. And why is that? Because to me, if you're looking at, you know, someone who's actually flying an airplane, right? It's already an abstraction. It's moving the wheel and, you know... The right, moving going, the right? wheel is actually making wing flaps turn and right. doing all kinds of things. Right, there's a lot of stuff yes. that happens, so that's the abstraction. But if you think about it more than this, what really, what, 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 you know, so you're still driven by him. But no one is flying airplane anymore. Autopilot <laughs> is the one that's flying it, right? So that's exactly why we call it that way. And we want him to auto, auto, autopilot the mesh, basically. And it's going really nice because the main component for STO is pilot, so it was nice, autopilot. Yeah, very, very yeah. clever. Yeah. So it sounds like you guys have been really involved in Envoy for a while, and yes. contributing, and obviously using it. Yes. It's important to your company. Can you tell me what big problems is Envoy still trying to solve? Like, what's coming next? What are What are you guys working on? Yeah. So, so Envoy in the natural is a is a great um, um, proxy. The thing is that it came out of the box of the ability to actually be extendable. Now, not like Nginx that have an API. This is not the right approach because then you buffer first all the request and then put it to the person who is interested of doing something. It's actually they did it as something called a filter chain. So when the request come, then you can actually put filter with logic and you can do whatever you want with their request. So that's a very strong feature in Envoy and this is why we chose it. That's giving us the ability to be differentiators, right? Because we can actually come and write our own filters that will make our product better than our competitor. So that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem, though. 
We can easily do this, uh, not easily, but we can do it. We know them very, very well. But actually, to write those filters, it's a C++, async C++, mm. and then you need to what called Basel it, to build it using Basel, which is really, really hard to do. Mm. So we're already mastering it, but to be fair, what we see is that we, a lot of the customers coming to us with requests. I have soft, I want the transparency to the rest. I want a um, WAF filter, right, web application firewall. I want a, a data loss provision filter. I want that to, to, that to speak directly to Lambda. There is a lot of requests like those. And what we, we wrote all those filters, but it would be very awesome if the customer can write their own logic. So one of the things that uh, the Envoy community is pushing right now is, some, is WebAssembly. So WebAssembly is basically a technology that was very popular in the, the point of browser. Browser was using it. And the reason they're actually using it, they needed to find a way to extend the browser without taking it down. Mm. So, you know, do it in a way. And WebAssembly is actually doing this. But they, when, when we look together with the Google and the other community people, and we look at what could be the the way to actually, you know, should we use this or Lua code or what do we want? We decided to WebAssembly. Lua is dip deprecated, so we didn't want to do that. And WebAssembly is actually a very interesting technology, well, well defined. So what we did, we basically make Envoy support this technology that way that you can now basically, without compiling Envoy, give, uh, basically extend the binary, right? It will be on the same process, but you don't need to build it together with Envoy. So we, we for instance, the, the first one we actually integrated to Glue, uh, so Glue is already supporting that. And this is the future because when I was talking about extension, that's what the extension should be. It should be a web assembly with some control plane that actually creating those extensions to the service mesh or to the Glue. So I think that's, that's, that's an interesting one. And that's just giving the ability that everybody can, you know, it's yeah. make it very, very simple. So. Nice. You've mentioned, um, uh, well, obviously, service mesh is central to everything you're talking about here. Yes. I feel like a few years ago, nobody was talking about service mesh, and then it was being talked about, but people really, there's still not an understanding. And now it's everywhere. Uh, everywhere. Yeah. everywhere. What was the, do you know, like, or do you have an opinion on what was the use case, or what suddenly flipped the switch that people got the value there and started using Can I be it? honest? Yeah. Okay. It's not the technology, and no. it's not a use case. It's very simple. The technology that winning, winning, because the question is who pushing it. Ah, once Google decided that they want to do stuff that's interesting with service mesh, that's become something that everybody cares about. Before that, Boyan did it, they did a great job. Didn't get a lot of attractions. Once actually Google decided to push it, and then others join, that's what makes it. You know, people doing what other people tell them to do, do, and usually they're looking at our leaders like Google, like you know Amazon, like like Microsoft. And what those guys is going to tell them to do, that's what they're going to do. Once those cloud decided to actually push on service mesh, you know, the hype become very, very high. That's all. So to me, the use case didn't change from the get-go. Nothing was... The value was always there. Always there and never been used until Boyanet took it, you know. And then then again, it wasn't enough because Boyanet is a startup company. And when Google said... That's interesting. We wanted to attack it. That's when. Yeah. What was the name of the startup you said? Hey, Boyant. Oh, Boyant. It's a company oh, that did okay. uh, yeah, Linkerd. Then everybody wants service mesh, which help a lot to Boyant, right? Because now <laughs> it makes service mesh very successful and make us very like it's all good to us as well. Because basically, when I'm coming right now and I'm trying to sell service mesh, no one asks me what it is because it's clear because Google already explained that to everybody. So you know, it's really, really. But this is how this market is working, right? And the reason Kubernetes won is just because everybody, agree, all the big company, agree on the same one. And the reason service mesh is not 
as a declared winner is because the big companies decide, you know, the big cloud decided to go to different direction, each of them using their own mesh. And now we can actually agree because if the big one flies, flying out, the you know, how everybody can decide. Does it matter to your company which service mesh wins out? So the beautiful of it is that we are the only one who's playing in this market that doesn't care about, it, don't have a skin in the game, right? We don't have our own mesh. We just orchestrate it and anybody else. We are orchestrating everybody else. So as much as there is more meshes is actually useful for us. And to be honest, there is more and more <laughs> coming up every year. So I think that the vision that I had long time ago was, you know, validated very, very well. It was on point. Yeah. It was on point. Yeah. All right. We're running out of time here, but I do want to ask you one more question, um, or a couple more, but it, Envoy, again, central to what you're doing. Um, service Mesh, very important. There's so many projects now that fall under CNCF. What other projects are either adjacent to what you're doing and or that are exciting to you that you're seeing developments in? So Envoy is part of the CNCF, yes. so that's definitely. Linkerd is part of the CNCF, right. and they're doing a really, really good job. I don't think there is any out-of-service mesh project that relates. Oh, but I mean other, any, any uh, other projects that fall under CNCF. Um, I mean, there's so many. That's, <laughs> it's crazy. That's exactly the problem, right? Yeah. I mean, the bar is not as high as it was before. Well, I've had some discussions earlier today with folks who were talking about anything you bring forth. Like, it's very hard to decide you know what you integrate what because there's so many things now and yes, yes. and then and any one of them doesn't update like there's no way to stay up with all the updates yeah and exactly and it's yeah it's not like <laughs> yeah i agree with you i mean i'm trying to be very politic here but i but i mean to me the bar is not as high as it was which means the stuff that are less good was going to fit in yes uh, which is a shame and um, so very something that's very interesting that happened project. I mean, there is this good project like OPA, for instance, is something that I'm very excited about. I think it's good. Uh, open policy agent. I think it's a good project. Um, You're the second person to mention OPA today, and yeah. I've never heard of it before. But yeah. I think they just announced it, or just we're talking no, about no, no, it. No, no, no. I've been there for a while. I think probably last year. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, but uh, th those guys doing a good job, and it's actually a problem that should be solved, and they're doing a good job of solving it. So I will, uh, we, we're supporting it in our product like Glue, and, and I, I'm really excited about that. Trying to figure out if there's something else. Um, yeah, Elm3 was announced today, so we are using it, and I think it's better because now there is no Tiddler, so it's like actually fantastic for us. Um, but besides that, the new one, I didn't... Uh, you guys are pretty focused on on, on, on void. Yeah, no, there's nothing that caught my attention that I could tell. Oh my god, this is like a change, a like game changer. Like, yeah, yeah. Not, nothing like that, unfortunately. All right, great. Well, is there anything else we should cover before we before we wrap it up? No, no. I mean, I think we we talked a lot. We did. We <laughs> yeah. did. Thank you. I really appreciate you giving us insight into what you guys do at Solo. I think you. It sounds like you provide an essential function. Yeah. Really, in helping people make that leap, kind of giving them something to land on before they get all the way to service mesh. Yeah. Um, and to me, as I said, the only thing that I will say is that we am amazed of, I mean, this is a lot of responsibility to run a network for company, and we were very, very excited about the amount of customer that we just acquire and it's actually keep coming, so we really, really yeah. excited Yeah, you're about seeing it. a lot of growth? Oh my gosh, like, I mean, we weren't expecting so much so early, uh, which is great, right? I mean, no, no complaints, actually a good position to be in. But yeah, I mean, people buying into the vision, they see how solid is our product here. It's open source, so it's actually, you can see how good the work is, and it's just fantastic for us. So That's really awesome. excited, yeah. Well, congratulations, and thank you again for explaining it. I appreciate it, and uh, we hope you'll come back someday. Thank you so much.